time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Oh, brother. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, very funny man whose knowledge of baseball puts a scare into Bob Costas, Paul Sully Sullivan. We're going to be talking to Sully in just a second. But first, time for the Waterhouse Update, brought to you by AutoZone. Find out what you ought to do from the know-it-alls at AutoZone. NCAA Hoops. Baylor celebrated being scandal-free for almost two semesters by beating Gonzaga 86-70. to The Bears were hotter than magma with a COVID fever. The Zags pummeled like Josh Groban at an R&B club. Distraught Jesuits in the parking lot converting to Judaism. It was such a blowout that cardboard cutouts were seen leaving early. That item brought to you by Fluow, Hawaii's strongest cold medicine. America's pastime. No, not trying to spell Matt Gates. Baseball all-star <laughs> game moved out of Atlanta over Georgia's new restrictive voting laws, said Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. Shouldn't you at least vote on that? Dodgers Rockies game, a great cat bolted onto the field, halted play for 10 minutes. The cat was sent by Commissioner Rob Manfred, who worried the game was moving too quickly. That item <laughs> sponsored by Keto, the Green Hornets' healthier sidekick. NBA, the Brooklyn Nets, like a car salesman with a primo meth dealer. They just keep coming at you. Golf Masters this weekend, where they will honor Jim Nance with a ventilator. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1989, the place Seattle, Washington, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar plays his last NBA game ever. Yeah, bye-bye, said every other center in the NBA. This Waterhouse Update brought to you by Estrogent, the estrogen for men. A word from my real sponsor now, MeUndies. These folks have this sleepwear thing down. They make underwear, sleepwear, and loungewear for the whole family, men, women, and kids. And they do it sustainably so your conscience can rest easy. They start with these beechwood trees. Don't ask me how they do it. They pound them or something. They turn it into a fiber, and then they weave it into this underwear. It's called micromodal, and it's the softest fiber you'll ever know. Plus, it gets softer every single time you wash it. It's unbelievable. I'm wearing them right now. Really, I'm wearing them right now. Look at that. That's it. Uh, there you go. That's some micro modal me underwear, uh, me undies underwear right there. And they got them in a classic uh, solids. If you're a classic person, they got them in bright colors. They got them in crazy patterns with dinosaurs and flames and all kinds of stuff. Here's the deal. Me undies. Great offer for my listeners. Any first time purchasers, 15% off plus free shipping and hundred percent satisfaction guarantee to get 15% off plus free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to MeUndies.com slash pain. That's MeUndies.com slash pain. Go to MeUndies. Incredible underwear right to your door. Now, finally, it's talk time from the angelic man, really funny comedian, writer whose knowledge of baseball is so frightening. It's the topic of Jordan Peele's next movie, Sully Sullivan. <laughs> Sully, how are you today? You like good. I'm going to get going to get out i'm going to get out that's i'm um, hanging in i'm doing my best I'm yeah my yeah best. we I all gotta badly. get out I, I feel badly for all the jesuits who are co converting after the pride of spokane 
wet the bed on the big game yesterday. But uh, I feel good for Don Baylor. He was a wonderful player and uh, a lot of great years in baseball. But yeah, I have uh, a whole school named after you. Absolutely. Have some good years. Right? I'd rather Don Baylor than Oral Roberts. So what do you go? So there yeah, you go. exactly. And the whole thing was tainted by religion this year. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's dive in. We're going to play the Devil's Dozen Baseball Edition. Twelve questions. Fair I enough. ask him. Here's the twist. You answer them. Number one, Trevor Bauer to the Dodgers. Is that the key to the Dodgers repeating? Or um, have they lost a little too much by getting rid of Kike and uh, getting rid of, of, uh, of uh, Jack Peterson? Do they still have the spirit in the dugout? I think they have the spirit in the dugout. I think uh, Trevor Bauer is going to be the highest paid number three starter in baseball. I think that you're going to see that uh, Bueller and Kershaw and you saw just the other day, you saw uh, Dustin May of Los Angeles. I mean, they have uh, David Price as a Cy Young Award winner. He's going to be their long reliever spot starter. Uh, it is a little bit of an embarrassment of riches. I think the Dodgers had as good a chance to repeat as any. But I think they would have had a great chance even without Trevor Bauer. But um, it's the ideal place for him to land because there's not a lot of pressure. If he went to the Mets, where he would be expected to you know, be uh, the second coming of Tom Seaver, there would have been too much pressure, but he can hide as a number three starter in LA. I think LA is going to be in good shape. Uh, by the way, losing Kiki Hernandez, a very important thing when you type Kiki's name, like when he hit a big home run in the World Series, make sure to put the accent on it. Otherwise, oh, yeah. if you just write Kiki with an exclamation yes. point with no accent on it, uh, you're going to get flagged. You will get flagged. Learn That's to take it from yeah. me. That's sponsored by Hebrew, the coffee <laughs> brewed just for Jewish men. <laughs> Question number two. Should Major League Baseball have pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta? Uh, uh, what's going to go in there? Maybe the Cornhole Invitational. I think they could just swap out. Probably almost have the same ratings. Um, look at Ed, it. It's baseball's decision. Uh, it's their. I think uh, the libertarians of the world should be thrilled because this was a free market business decision that was made, not a government decision that was made. Uh, I'm. I have no problem with them moving it. Here's my one request: when they move the All Star Game to Denver, get rid of the humidor. Okay, I want the balls flying out of the ballpark. I yeah. want it to be like when Dante Bichette and Andres Calarraga <laughs> and Larry Walker and Vinny Castilla and Ellis Burks and all the Blake Street Bombers were you know, playing 15 to 14 pitchers duels there. Uh, that's what I want to see in the All-Star game. I want the balls flying out. In fact, I want them. I think you should be allowed to cork the bat and use steroids before just the All-Star game. Just the All-Star uh, game. For, yeah. Yeah. As for Atlanta. Um, you know, they had the all-star game as recently as 2000. I feel badly for Tampa Bay, which remains the only team to never host an all-star game. Well, it's a dumpster of a stadium. It's of like course it is. But do you know what? <laughs> Still, maybe that, that could make it fun. Look at how sure. awful this place is. And oh, I listen to you kids out there. If you're also Googling the phrase balls out of the park, you may want to put the accent on the. Yes, yes. Kike's <laughs> balls over the park. A lot of problem with that, yeah. with that tweet. Sponsored by <laughs> Pinocchio Hose, Nevada's only all puppet brothel. Question number three. They're moving it to Denver. 
How does that honor Henry Aaron? Is wasn't that supposed to be the overall arc of this year's All Star Game to honor Henry Aaron? Uh, what tie does he? He has no tie to Denver. Why didn't they move it to Milwaukee where he started his career? And uh, you know, or, or did they think they were going from the frying pan to the fire in terms of of uh, of uh, you know um, objecting to voting uh, laws? Well, I think Johnson started uh, putting, the, putting yeah. the clamps down too. Uh, I think that, uh, of course, the last time the All-Star game was in Milwaukee, it ended in a tie and was an absolute fiasco. So maybe they want to avoid the optics of going back there and honoring Bud Selig. I think one of the reasons that it's going to Denver is for the pot and because of all the yeah. legal marijuana. And just so everyone's just going to, everyone's got to, I need the humidor destroyed and everyone's slightly stoned. And uh, I think that that will make for, make for a good game. Uh, interesting fact, though it not as funny factoid, but Henry Aaron was not happy when the Braves moved to Atlanta. I believe was, that, and he demanded a trade out of Atlanta to go to the Milwaukee back to the Milwaukee Brewers because he didn't feel particularly welcomed in Atlanta during his stay there. Obviously, he had wonderful ties to the Braves, and the city of Atlanta and the Braves organization did embrace him certainly towards. Uh, after his retirement and everything like that. But let's not all pretend it was all, uh, you know, yeah. uh, hush puppies and, and crawdads with Henry Aaron in Atlanta. So um, that being said, uh, do you want, it's a decision that was made. And what day is the All-Star game? The 14th, the 15th of July? By the 16th of July, everyone will have forgotten it. It would have been like the men in black stick that they would have held up and flashed in our yeah. eyes because nobody remembers the All-Star game the nanosecond it's over. Sponsored by Throwbacks, the e-cigarette you light <laughs> for the match. Question number four, hottest regional rivalry this year. You think about it. I like the Reds Cardinals. They've already had a bench clearing brawl and a brush back and a standover and trash talk. I think they're meeting like 18 times. I mm -hmm. think by their sixth game, it will be standard to deploy the National Guard. Who else out there do you think has a regional rivalry that might heat up to that level? I think Los Angeles and San Diego, believe it or not, Ooh, especially, yeah. especially if Tatis is, is not out for very long. These are two teams that could, could potentially win 100 games. And think about this for a second. They could both win 100 games and one of them could wind up playing the wildcard game. Yeah. And if one of them is the wildcard team, and the other has the most wins, then they can't meet in the National League Championship Series. They would have to meet the division series, which is bizarre. So the the prize of winning the National League West is going to be very, very valuable between these two teams. Now, when you think of really heated, nasty, snarling fans, you obviously think San Diego. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is San Diego is, I call it Buffalo by the sea, because they have a history of just getting pummeled and pummeled with losing their Losing the Clippers and the Chargers to L.A., they've the only World Series they ever won was in the Gary Coleman made-for-TV movie, The Kid from Left Field. And they've only won one <laughs> World Series game in their history, not managed by Gary Coleman. And so the fact of the matter, there's a huge chip on San Diego fans' uh, shoulders, but there's also a chip on L.A.'s shoulders that they would like to win a World Series that is not in a 
shortened Short season, season. Yeah. and without and you know to sort of make up for what had happened when uh, the Astros and the Red Sox were doing shenanigans in 2017 and 2018. So I th- and I think that you know there's going to be some heated rivalry between LA and San Diego, and I, and I welcome it. And let me tell you something. That's why uh, Sully's on the show. Even Rob Manfred doesn't know most of what Sully just said. Sponsored no. by Exasperilla, the soda that tests your patience. <laughs> Question number five, which is uglier? The Brewers blue jersey with the yellow ready kilowatt writing on it or the Diamondbacks black jersey with the indistinguishable black lettering on it? Which is ugly? The answer, the answer is always the Diamondbacks. The, the Diamondbacks have had, since their formation in 1998, I've counted, they have had uh, 19 uniforms per week that they sometimes have to change their uniform in mid-game, and the next good uniform will be the first good uniform they have. They've wow. never had a, a lookable yeah. uniform. Now, now, as for the Milwaukee Brewers blue tops, with when they wear that with the blue cap and the yellow front, I'm sorry. I was a wee below in Boy Scouts. I look up there and I say, hey, look at that. The Boy Scouts, the Cub Scouts are playing on the field. And it sort of makes me want to go out and get a stick and whittle and go camping and maybe uh, earn another merit badge. So do you know what? Yeah. I am all for anything that reminds me of the fact that I was a Bobcat Scout, a Bear Scout, a uh, Wolf Scout, and finally a Weebelow, which stands for We'll Be Loyal Scouts. And I say, uh, uh, my Cub Scout salute right there. And there you go. I'm all for anything that reminds me of my glory days. In fact, I still have on my LinkedIn page all the merit badges I earned during my Boy Scout time. So I am all for anything that reminds me of the best days of my life, which were as a Cub Scout, which is, as someone who's approaching age 50, is a new level of pathetic. Well, uh, uh, that gives us all at least one reason and one reason only uh, to go to LinkedIn. Question number six, (laughs) should the state of Minnesota somehow harness the wind from Miguel Sano's strikeouts? He whips more than a proud boy trying to get laid at a Beyonce concert. Why does he continue to be allowed to play? I know it's either Homer or nothing, but are the Homers worth it at this point? He's striking out at an unbelievable rate. No, and he's struck out twice today, and they haven't even started playing yet. I mean, he's he's just, uh, I don't get it. And I, I think that he was, this is a classic example, I think, of someone who was a, a very big prospect and, and that they thought was going to be a, a, a huge superstar on the team. Uh, I, I think the Twins have as good a chance as any to not only uh, win the central, but potentially win the pennant, because I don't think there's a super team in the American league, not the Yankees. I think they, they, they all have issues, but yeah. Miguel Sano playing first base, first base, which has to be a, you know, an offensive position. This is no longer a small sample size. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. batted 199 into an, in 2018. He batted 204 last year. He had a, okay year in 2019 the last full season he played but this is this is we're now in a presidential term worth of years of Sano uh swinging and missing and the home runs aren't enough he'd have to be Dave Kingman 
hitting like 40 some odd home runs a year to make that work not 20 some odd and there are good first basemen that you can acquire hell the the cubs if they fall apart they want to sell everything except the ivy on the wall and you know you could make an acquisition of rizzo or something like that or there's probably someone out there who's cheaper i just think this is the seventh season of the Sano experiment. And at some point you got to say, yeah, he had one really good year, but uh, do you know what? That's uh, you, you may have to count that up as a hook. And I think it would behoove the, the twins to cut bait with him. Uh, Cause he's not a third baseman anymore. So he doesn't have the value there. Get a decent first baseman who, you know, so you have someone on base when Nelson Cruz hits his three home runs a game. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that's the most important thing. Yeah, sponsored by my pillow case. Make any pillow your pillow with my pillow case. This is great. Somebody who actually knows what they're talking. Question number seven is Rob Manfred doing the job. He gives off the same level of reassurance as a college place kicker who's like two for seven. So some you want to root for him, but you're not sure he's actually pulling it off. He kind of uh, uh, gets the ship righted. And then it kind of starts listing almost immediately again. I think the prerequisite to be the commissioner of baseball is you have to like baseball. You have to enjoy the sport. I have seen no evidence on his side that he enjoys watching the game. You don't want me to be the commissioner of lacrosse. I don't understand lacrosse. I'll be constantly making changes to it. That's why my I have never been appointed commissioner of lacrosse. Uh, I, I Every time he makes little tinkering things like that i keep wanting to say get rid of blackout rules make it easy for people to see on all their devices cut down on the commercial breaks if you have to have commercials on the bottom of the screen to keep the pace moving he doesn't understand the concept that pace of play and length of game are not the same thing Right. And also the fact that he has this ghost runner on second nonsense during the extra innings makes me want to take these two pens and jab them into my eyes because I no longer want to see extra inning games. And I, I don't know. I, 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 I want to root for him because his name is an Alan Bud Selig, but I'm, I'm starting to feel that, uh, that Bart Giamatti knew what he was doing by dying early in his uh, tenure as commissioner, that he never got to, he, we never got to see the mistakes he would make. So All right, let's roll the next two questions in. Cause they tie right into this. Why can't they cut the season? Uh, some games I thought last year was amazing, uh, special, different, never going to happen again. Don't want it at just 60, but interesting in the terms of games mattering almost every single night. I know 162 is a tradition, but, you know, so was doctors firing up a lucky strike after surgery. Can that change? And how do you speed up the game, like you say, uh, without it feeling too rushed? uh, Or is the pace somehow part of the charm of it? Is it now background to today's faster paced lifestyle? Let's roll that all up and see how we can, how we can either shorten the season or shorten the games. I'm a hundred percent. I'm, I'm as big a baseball fan as you meet. Uh, I am a hundred percent for shortening the season. Uh, I, in fact, I have, I had made this plea to end the season on Labor Day. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. to, to, To make the stretch time of August, where sports is dead in August and usually casual fans stop following baseball 
around Labor Day. They move on to football, they, their vacations are over, it's a summer sport. And so why not have Labor Day be the day of the wild card game? Have that yeah. be, that kind of becomes part of the vernacular. Let's make sure we're playing on Labor Day. Just make sure we're still up available on Labor Day. And then for the fans of the teams that are in the postseason, postseason's play in September, maybe the World Series will be the first week of October. So you still have that October magic, but you're still playing it in weather that seems like baseball instead of a few years ago, both Denver and Minnesota were still in it. And there could have been a possibility of an outdoor world series in Minneapolis and Denver in late October, which would have looked like the Iditarod. And so (laughs) I have no problem with shortening the season. I have no problem with uh, making August the pennant chase uh, time there. I think that uh, pace of play uh, first of all, as I said, cut back on the commercial time. If you need to have ads popping up, I don't care if you put a swoosh on the uniform if it means shortening the commercial times between at bats, between uh, the innings there. Yeah. Uh, I think that if a manager, there, there are some things we need to do to speed up the game. I think one of the things that slows down the game so much is removing the pitcher in the middle of an inning. I think if a manager removes a pitcher where there's two outs and nobody on that team loses a draft pick and is fined a hundred thousand dollars every single time, because that's what drives me crazy. It's like, you don't need to make this pitching change right now. That guy can get that other guy out, keep it moving. Um, And I also think that uh, increasing the running game, I've been watching a lot of uh, games from the seventies and there are some things that were better about baseball then things are better about baseball now, but I do really enjoy adding the speed to the game. Cause that means for every pitch that's up there, there's that element of he's going, he's going. Yeah, so there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a, you know, when it's, when you know, everyone's up there is just doing station station baseball, that yeah. suspense of when you had a, you know, obviously you have the great ones, whether it's like, you know, a Ricky Henderson or a, right. a Tim Raines or someone like Willie McGee, but also, you know, you had players on, on, you know, the A's or the Reds at that time, you know, like you, whether it was a Joe Morgan or a Cesar Geronimo, sure. or, you know, you, Mickey Rivers was another one for the Yankees. I could steal 20, it, 30, 40 bases. And, and just the threat of it causes, yeah. you know, causes a certain, I mean, in the world series, in 76, Pete Rose basically stood like 20 feet away from home plate to basically dare Mickey Rivers to bunt. And uh, that sort of speed element, I think, removing that from the game. And the other thing is, is, and again, it's startling when you watch some of the old baseball, is that there, there wasn't such the emphasis on, on base percentage at the time. And so you saw more people swinging early in the count. They weren't trying to work yeah. the count. They were trying to get that hit early on. I'll tell you something that I came up with here because I know a lot of people get frustrated when you have a pitcher pitching really well and then the fifth inning they yank them, kind of like what happened in the World Series last year with Blake Snell. Uh, as someone with a comedy background, I said, let's flip it. Let's not worry about being the starting pitcher. Let's be the headlining pitcher. So maybe you have a pitcher come out and you have your, your, your MC goes the first couple innings. Then you have your middle act. It gets you to the fifth. And then in comes your headliner who goes five to the rest of the uh, rest of the game. And next thing you know, you know, that's kind of becomes part of, Oh, we better get those runs in because the headliner's coming in. And then in comes, you know, whether it's 
you know, Trevor Bauer or Jake Rom or, or Kershaw or whoever yeah. great pitcher comes out of there. Hit, ladies and gentlemen, your headliner for the evening. And <laughs> in he comes. And then, you know, it would break all relief records if you have a guy pitching 200 innings of relief. But, you know, let's let's switch it around. I would. You know, that's basically what happened in the World Series in yeah. 2014 when Madison Bumgarner came in and pitched the final, uh, was it five or six innings of yeah. game seven? He was your headliner. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and so why not make that be part of it? If you're only going to throw five innings, like Blake Snell last year in the World Series, make it the last five. five innings, make it the last five. My suggestion absolutely. is to bring back the bullpen car and make them super fast. Just blam, you're making a pitching change. Blam, the guy's there at the mound. Blam, the guy's yeah. off the mound. No walking into the dugout. No. Guy squeals up in a car. One pitcher gets out, the other pitcher gets in. Bam, back to the bullpen. Oh, maybe the car doesn't even stop and you kind of pull a whole like yeah. smoking the bandit sure. Dukes of Hazard thing going on here. Yeah. I'll tell you something. I'm, I'm actually absolutely serious about this one in terms of instant replay, because I'm all for instant replay. But what I hate is, OK, we're going to challenge it. Then they put on the headphones and they wait and they wait and they wait. And sometimes yeah. it's a couple of minutes and we're all watching and going, what's the deal here? Here's my deal. 30 seconds. You get yeah. 30 seconds to see the instant replay because if you can't tell within 30 seconds effort move on i got you know, an idea it's... based off of that why don't we go american idol most everybody at home knows almost instantly after watching two or three uh, camera angles what the <laughs> right answer is let the audience vote and boom you're done in 30 seconds i like what yeah. we're doing here i think uh, if we become co-commissioners we got this whole thing nailed down. We got Man. time for one last question. Let me throw it at you. Your favorite ballpark to watch a game at and your favorite ballpark for food could be two different places. Well, in honor of my late father, who we lost earlier this year, I have to say Oracle Park in San Francisco. Um, just because I have so much, so many fond memories there. And it's also an unbelievably great ballpark. Yeah. It's a spectacular ballpark. And um, it feels like it's been there forever. It just fits perfectly into the China Basin there, the, and in McCovey Cove, and all the the kayakers coming in there. Every eye line is fantastic. It's it's just really really great. Um, and I obviously I have a lot of warm memories there because my dad was a giant fan his whole life, and so uh, I, I I I love that just visually and everything. I'm going to throw in a, a a park that you're not expecting me to say for the food, uh, although I do love the food at in San Francisco. We're going to go a little bit south and go to the minor league ballpark in San Jose, California. Wow, San Jose Municipal Stadium has an open flame charbroil grill when you get up there they're flipping burgers it's not like it's not a hot dog that's been boiling in there since april no, no. you get a burger <laughs> you get a brisket you get sausage and you're sitting there at a minor league game minor league games are great and you're having a really good juicy meal. burger you're having a meal you're having a, and, and they have these picnic tables around the along the left field line and you get to see in kind of this really old school rickety ballpark down there in, in World War II era ballpark. That's where I first saw Ken Griffey Jr. play uh, when he was a member of the San Bernardino Spirit. And they give the people there, they're flipping over your burgers. And so you're sitting there at a picnic table, watching minor league ball, eating a thick cow. 
food-wise, I'm sure people point out the brats in Milwaukee and they're great, or the garlic fries here, or the Dodger dogs there. And I'm sure there's some steakhouse in Yankee Stadium where the you know, Wolfgang Puck is making something. But give me that burger and that yeah. picnic table, watching minor league ball in San Jose, and your pal Sully's happy. It sounds uh, like the kind of place uh, where if you don't order fast, uh, they're not going to give you any food. Which oh, I oh. Like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You 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 come prepared. You come. But the best is when I've been there a couple of times. Where, you know, minor league games sometimes. What is it? San Jose what? The San Jose Giants. Um, so, and, yeah, yeah. and they and they have the banners up of like, you know, when Bumgarner and Lincecum and Posey were and Sandoval and all those players were members that the kind of that's their you know, their their selling point is come see them before they go up north. And right. um um but there have been games that I've been to where it's like me and a couple of guys named Clive. You know, it's like there's not every game I've been to has been incredibly packed houses there. And so you can just sort of walk up and, you know, get your burger, sit on down and oh, just be, be really relaxed. Be very, very relaxed. I will say that when I, my dad and I used to go on baseball trips and we, when we went to, uh, we never went to the Miller Park, the new park, whatever the heck yeah. it's called. Now. I'm still yeah, Miller, Miller Park. park. Yeah, we went to the, we went to the um, county stadium, Milwaukee County, county stadium. And um, I had the uh, Polish sausage at um milwaukee county so you gotta you gotta have some form of sausage when you're sure. there and i had the polish sausage there and that was that was really really good now if you like caribbean food and i happen to like caribbean food uh orlando cepeda has a caribbean food um i guess kiosk or something at uh oracle park in san francisco wow. orlando's usually not there chopping the stuff up there so right. you get the uh, orlando's cha-cha bowl and uh if you like like really kind of spicy meat and everything like that, of which sometimes i do sometimes it, it sits in you like a lump uh everyone loves the garlic fries in san, at san francisco i think they're a little overrated you know they they uh -huh. they dump they dump shell su2000 on it first it's sort of sure. floating in a in a in a sea of petroleum and then they dump the population of gilroy on top of it um i i'm it's not necessarily my cup of tea. i'll sneak a few but the people have like yeah. a they have a, a, a matterhorn of it that they're trying to plow through it's like yeah, yeah get the small next time get the small aren't we all floating in a sea of petroleum sponsored by ocdc the most meticulous acdc cover band ever and gunga dan's for really mild indian food try gunga dan's my guest today the amazing sully sullivan Follow him on Twitter at Sully Baseball. What else you got cooking? How do we catch that great in memoriam you produce on all the the, the wonderful people attached to baseball who passed away in 2020? Where where can we see that? Oh, you can you can see that that's pinned at my uh, Twitter handle, which is at Sully Baseball. I'm very proud. I do that every year, but this year was uh, it's kind of like the in memoriam uh, montage you see at the Academy Awards for all the people who died the previous year. Uh, and normally they're about three or four minutes long. I've been doing them every year since 2014, but this year turned into a seven minute long one, not because I was indulgent, but because normally you have like two or three Hall of Famers die a year. Yeah. Sometimes only one. This year we had nine. There were nine Hall of Famers wow. died between opening day 2020 and opening day this year. You had, and, and you know, and, you know, Henry Aaron, I had to end with it. You have to end with a big one. And so Henry Aaron, but you had Tom Seaver, Lou Brock, 
Bob yeah. Gibson, Tom Lasorda, uh, Don Sutton, uh, Phil Necro, Whitey Ford, Joe Morgan, and Henry Aaron all wow. died. And that's not even counting people like Dick Allen. Like some of yeah. the people who yeah. like had really wonderful careers yeah. like that. That's you know, and Dick Allen, who I, and, and, you know, and then there was former Negro leaguers and people who yeah. played in the All-Americans Professional Girls Baseball League and my dad. You know, yeah. so like all these yeah. people in one in memory. And so it's kind of like when I was put together, I said, this is getting long. I said, yeah, but what am I going to do? Just sort of not show a Bob Gibson clip? No, you have to. Yeah, what am I going to, what am I going to, you know, cut short uh, Tommy Lasorda? I mean, come yeah. on. So Full circle uh, too. Uh, talking about the game, the game, the way it used to be the game, the way it is now. Uh, I mentioned it to you mm -hmm. uh, watching that in memoriam, which folks uh, do yourself a favor, go to at Sully baseball on Twitter and, and, uh, and click on it. Uh, my favorite moment, Bob Gibson winning uh, world series, complete game, incidentally talking about speeding up the game and then walking off the mound. Mm -hmm. Like he'd been there before just walked off the mound and went to the dugout. No giant jumping up and down, no catcher running out and grabbing him by the waist. He just walked off like yeah. a guy who just finished looking on your car, who knew what he was doing. You another one who did that. Um, and he will eventually be in a video. Uh, when Koufax won through a complete game shutout in game seven of the World Series in 1965 in a tight game um, against Minnesota, he struck out the final batter. I don't remember who it was off the top of my head. And he walked off as if he was playing a split squad game <laughs> in Faro <laughs> Beach, Florida in spring training. It's like, you know, I mean, look at I. I, I have no problem with someone celebrating a World Series. Celebrate any way you want. Yeah, I'm all for it's fantastic. Boy. As a kid, as a kid, I used to pretend I was Tug McGraw. I remember how Tug McGraw when the Phillies won in 1980. I remember how he jumped up and down. I used to pretend I was Tug McGraw. So I have no problem with someone celebrates. But it's just a while that that you know he gets a strikeout and I'm like okay, and he shakes the hand of the catcher. Hey, nice. Yes, that was a that was a good experience winning Game Seven of the World Series. I'm glad you appreciate the effort that I put in winning Game Seven. Oh, you're oh yes. Thank you. Like, thank you very much. Yeah, it is wild to see uh, Gibson. And, it's just uh, like that mindset of, uh, you know, what's the job? Uh, pitch nine innings and uh, try to win. All yeah. right. I got that. And then they just go out there and do it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love and that. Then... Absolutely. That's uh, Paul Sully uh, Sullivan. Catch him Twitter at uh, on Twitter at Sully Baseball. Uh, tons of wonderful stuff. Uh, uh, Sully, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse and my comedian buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. Catch my simulcast of the final round of the Masters Golf Tournament this Sunday on the Stereo app with my color commentator, the distinguished British golf legend, Trevor Longwad. Just download the Stereo app. Follow me at Waterhouse or at Adam Felber on the Stereo app and boom, you'll get a notice when it's happening. But it's Sunday. It's the last round of the Masters and you're all set. Sponsored, incidentally, by tea. When there's no other choice but scalding water, try tea. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain. Hey.